You're listening to The Lively Show, episode number five. Welcome to The Lively Show. I'm your host, Jess Lively, and this blogcast is designed to uplift, inspire, and add a little extra intention to your everyday. Welcome to The Lively Show. Thank you guys so much, as always, for all the awesome support on Twitter, in Facebook, on posts, and of course on iTunes. All of your reviews there mean so much. They help the podcast get seen by more people through iTunes that may not know about it already. So if you find this worthwhile and you really wanna share it, I hope you do with anyone that you know and by leaving a review on iTunes. Thank you so much as always. Today's episode is pretty awesome, guys. We're talking with Nicole Balch of makingitlovely.com. She is the breadwinning blogger for her household through her DIY and home decor blog. In the episode, we're going to talk about why Nicole closed her shop, Pink Loves Brown, in order to take Making It Lovely full-time. We're also going to discuss how her husband's job loss turned her blog into a breadwinning business. In addition, we're going to talk about the most lucrative blog income sources, and we're going to hear Nicole's predictions for the future of blogging. Let's go to the show. Thank you so much for being here, Nicole. Oh, thank you for having me. Yay. Okay. So I always (laughs) like to get started with a little bit of background. Tell us how you came to making it lovely. Well, you know, I used to have a stationary business um, and that was going along great. And that was kind of before Etsy was a big thing and before blogging was really as big as it is now. And um, I was on this online, the switchboards. It was this online group of business women and everybody was kind of going, you should have a blog, you should have a blog, just in general, advice for everybody. So I thought, okay, I should have a blog to promote the shop. And I did, and it was tied into um, Pink Loves Brown, which was the shop. And it was so bad. It was so boring. Um, because all it was was, you know, hey, I designed a new card. Hey, I printed more of this card, um, which is great, but you don't really want to read that every single post. So then when my husband and I had bought our first house, I knew that we'd be doing a lot of stuff because um, I just, I love decorating and, and working on things like that. And um, I had a handyman background, so I knew we'd be doing some projects. So I thought, okay, well, I'm kind of scrapping the other blog and I'll start this brand new blog and it'll be just kind of for my friends and my family to follow along with what we're doing. And I had mentioned it on my newsletter from the shop at the time. And all of a sudden I had 400 people a day reading it, which to me, I, I thought, Oh my God, that's a lot of people, um, which now it's it's grown a lot more since then. But yes, just a little bit. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Um, but you know, that's a great head start to start out with four hundred people. That's that's nothing to turn your no, nose. No, I was at. I was going to say that's not the typical start to a blog. Yeah. So because I already had you know a little bit of a following from the shop, so um, I realized pretty quickly. Oh, okay, more people are reading this. <laughs> so, and what year was this again? That was 2007. Okay, so early in the blogging world. Yeah, yeah. Everybody was kind of coming up then. You know, it was um, like Deuce was still around and she was, that's kind of who you thought of, like, that's a big blogger. But there weren't really very many others. There was Deuce and Design Sponge who, you know, are still going strong today. Um, But it wasn't as big back then for sure. So I started at a good time. (laughs) I know. I think actually I remember finding you years ago. You were one of the first bloggers I found. And I think I found you through apartment therapy. I'll never forget Mm -hmm. this blue bathroom that you 
Right? Yep. You like worked with the, I just found it fascinating because you had this kind of, what could have been perceived as like, I have to rip this out. This is ugly old blue bathtub and bath um, toilet. And you, instead of doing that, which I think a lot of people renovating a home might've done, you turned it into this like <laughs> beautiful bathroom that made me want to have a blue toilet and a blue tub. And I was like, oh my gosh, this woman has such an eye. I never would have <laughs> thought you could make a blue toilet and tub look good, but you totally did. And then from that moment on, I was like, this, this woman knows what she's doing. Let me follow her. <laughs> well, I hated that blue tub at first. I really did. Um, and we thought that we were going to rip it out and, uh, our money had to go towards the kitchen instead. And so it was like, all right, well, we're living with it. Let's make it look okay. So You definitely turned it around and made it an asset. Yeah, it was amazing. Okay, so, you know, Pink Love, so Pink Love's Brown, your stationery store, basically kind of helped you get your first audience. So I guess you always had this kind of immediate reception, but has there been any twists and turns? Obviously, you've closed the stationery business mm-hmm. along the way. What else has changed for you? Yeah, I mean, my life is so different from where it was when I started it. I I always thought the stationary business would be the main thing, and then the blog was just to supplement it. And um, you know, when you're only upla- updating your lines maybe every few months or so, and you're updating a blog a few times a week, as I was back then, I was updating maybe two or three times a week, and now I do it every day. People come back and they check in, and so that took off so much faster because it was constantly being refreshed and and new content was being added. So that surprised me that my focus shifted pretty quickly. How quickly? I think within about a year, I realized that the blog was taking off far faster than the stationery shop. And I kept the stationery shop going for a long time until I had, um, you know, I had no kids when I started everything. And now I have two. And it's a lot <laughs> having having a blog that is, you know, it's, it's not just a hobby blog, it's a business. So it keeps me busy. Um, and then having the stationery and a family on top of that, I just, I had to let one of them go. But I never would have thought that it, that the stationery shop would um, be the thing that kind of, <sighs> I don't know how to say it didn't like fall to the wayside, but for sure, if you only have a certain number of hours to spend on working, you want to put that time to where it can best be spent. I totally agree. So this is actually perfect because this is leading me into my next question for you. One of the things I find so fascinating about you specifically in the blog world is that you are now the sole breadwinner for your family through blogging. So I would love for you to tell us a little bit about that transition and, and what that was like for you. Well, see, and that's another thing that I didn't think was something that we could even do. You know, when I started, there was not really, I don't think anybody was doing that well in blogging. And now there are a lot of people that are making real careers out of it. For us, what happened was my husband lost his job and it was very scary when it happened because I was doing well, but I was doing well as, you know, part of a two income household, not as a single income. Um, So my husband lost his job and we thought, okay, well, for sure, he's going to have to look for something else. And in the meantime, the job market was so terrible that it was just taking a long time. But in that time when he started searching, I hustled. (laughs) I hustled so much. Um, And it turned out that it paid off. You know, so okay, let's go into that because hustling is a great word and it really describes what you did, but it doesn't at the it's, same yeah, time. Yeah, it's kind of big. So, I what guess. did you do? Because I'm sure there's a lot of people listening that are going to want to know what does a hustle look like for Nicole and how does that, what does hustle do to make you a breadwinner of your family on a blog? Okay, all of the great opportunities that you see people doing, 90% of them 
that didn't fall in their lap. You know, people are going out and pitching to brands and pitching ideas to to different possible sponsors, um, working with maybe sponsors that they've worked with in the past and coming up with new ideas, working to get other jobs. I've, I've written for a lot of other sites, and so that's been a good income. I've done some teaching, just lots of, it's a funny little, you know, freelance way to make money, getting some here and some there, but it all adds up to a pretty decent, you know, it's, it's a good living once you once you really diversify and go after a bunch of different avenues of revenue. So yeah, it's been finding places to write. It's been pitching things to sponsors. Um, it's been working with my ad network to get more ads on the site. Not more ads, but more more frequency of the ads in the spots that are already there. If that makes sense, I don't want to plaster my site with ads. I just want the spots that are there to be filled. <laughs> Absolutely. And here's a question. So this is so great. Last week in our interview with Liz Schneider of Sequins and Stripes, she's a fashion blogger. and she, Which I listened to. I loved it. Yeah. So she talks a lot about the pitching too, which I think a lot of people that maybe are newer to blogging might just assume you're going to have some sidebar ads or you're going to try to get someone to send you a bag or or a lamp for your home. You're both sitting here telling us we need to be pitching if we're looking to make income on our blogs, Mm -hmm. which is great. But here's another question I have for you. Would you mind telling us, not numbers specifically, but if you think of it as a pie, what percentages you find as far as your mix? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I actually wrote a post that I broke it down into a pie. I think it was about maybe a year and a half ago. And it's probably about the same as it was back then. Sponsored posts for me are the biggest chunk of the pie. And that's probably uh, maybe up to two thirds. It's maybe half, like a half to two thirds is from sponsored posts. And that's single sponsored posts or longer campaigns where it might be you know, sort of three to five posts over a series of six months, something like that. Um, Because those, a sponsored post can bring in a a pretty big chunk of change. Sponsored posts bring in the most bulk of my income. And then after that, it's writing for other sites. So I write for um, a few other sites and I've been doing that. I write for Better Homes and Gardens. I write for um, Caesar Stone right now. I write for Glidden, the paint company. And I've done a few other things. I used to write for Babbel, and that was a pretty great gig. So that's probably, you know, that's like 20% of my income. And then other than that, it's sidebar advertising really isn't bringing in that much. Um, affiliates, I do not do very much with affiliate advertising. I think that there's sort of a misperception that, you know, if you do an outfit post and you use some affiliate links, you're probably making like, you're raking it in. And I think some people are, but I am certainly not um, just because I don't optimize that as well as I can. You know, if you, if you want to make money in affiliates, you have to really look at who's paying the most and then you have to pick stuff from those stores and really push that. And I don't do that. I kind of go, you know, I'm going to write about this bag anyway. Oh, there's an affiliate link. Okay. I'll use it. And that's not the way to make money doing that. <laughs> so yeah, that really just brings in like a little bit extra on the side. And then, yeah, it's just kind of odds and ends. Like um, if I do a teaching gig, I don't have any sort of recurring ones. They just pop up from time to time. So I might teach a class, you know, two or three times a year. So that's a little something. Um I think that pretty much covers it. Maybe I might have like a styling job that comes up, but again, it's not a big focus. Really, it's for me, it's mostly coming in through sponsorships. 
But, you know, the blog world changes fast, so you kind of have to have all of those options open so that, okay, well, if sponsorships are no longer the big thing, then you move on to sort of shifting your attention to getting more writing gigs or um, doing more teaching or whatever else it is that's going to work for you. That's a fantastic point. I'm really glad you're mentioning it. How do you handle being the sole breadwinner with all of the changes that happen online and all of the things that shift? Because at one point, you know, you're selling a bunch of sidebar ads and that's making your money. Now it's sponsor posts. Do you ever get worried about the future? Especially because lately, especially since coming to Alt Summit, where we both were at, they talked a lot about the traffic on a site no longer being the same as it used to be. And now people are sharing and connecting more in social media and kind of outside of the site being this driver. How do you how do you navigate all that change? It's a little scary. I mean, you have to keep up with it. Otherwise, you just you get buried by all of the changes because they'll sneak up on you. So yeah, it's it's everybody is talking on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Um, so you have to be there too. And I like it. I kind of like the challenge of seeing what's going on and moving and adapting and changing with it. But for sure, it's scary because what I made last year might not be what I make this year. It might not be what I make next year. So there's not a lot of stability. I just have to know that I have some skill sets I can fall back on. I can do web design if I need to. You know, I could do different things um, that I could fall back on if I need to get a job. My my husband or I could both, you know, get a full-time job if it came to that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's for sure scary and something to kind of keep in the back of your mind. Like things can change really quickly. I love that you're keeping those other skill sets, you're not, you know, waiting for the sky to fall, but you're definitely not unprepared if something was to shift. Right. How is this being the sole breadwinner and a blogger? Obviously, you get to work from home in large part, but how has that affected your dynamic as a mom and with your family? Um, you know, it's changed a little bit as I went from part-time to full-time, just because my husband used to work full-time at a traditional, you know, nine to five gig. And um, I would watch the kids all day and then I would pretty much just blog at night when they were sleeping. And now I'm doing a lot more work during the day, during normal business hours. And I kind of split up my day so that I'm not working all day. I'm lucky to be able to do that, you know, where I I work a little bit, sort of like maybe 10 to 3 and then again at night when they're sleeping. So what you're saying is you work in the mornings and I'm guessing your husband is being the dad and kind of watching the kids in the morning and then you come into the family, if you will, in the afternoons and dinner time. Yeah, yeah. And I do things like my daughter's in karate lessons right now. And so on those days, you know, she gets out of school, I go meet her at 3.30 and I take her to her lesson. And, you know, I'm done working by three so that I could do those things. So it's really, it's been ideal that I can shift my schedule around like that to be available. So it's it's been pretty fantastic to have sort of blogging as your job as a mother because you can be so flexible. Do you think this is something that a lot of people can do? Um, I have a good friend who she works a full-time job and she has arranged it so that she's in the office four days a week and um, she works from home and not even full days. I think she's in the office like six hours, four days a week. And then she makes up the rest of the time working from home. um, And that's so that she can be with her kids and, and have time to do family stuff. So it's definitely not out of the possibility. And she, before that, before she asked for that, um, she was working nine to five, you know, office jobs. So the opportunities are there. I don't think they're incredibly common. I think it's still kind of unusual and very lucky when we can do that. But definitely it's, it's something that you can kind of 
push for and hopefully receive. Yeah, it's just a lot about your traffic to be able to command the attention from these brands and also the companies that you're writing for too, to kind of have them want to work with you. Because I can imagine there's a lot of people that want to do it, but may not have the traffic that would support the money they need to do it themselves. So I think that's something to keep in mind. It's not necessarily going to be everyone's option, but it is possible. And like you said, there is a lot of variations here. You don't have to just have the blog to do, have a you know unique flexible career that allows you to be with your children too. Right. Okay. So is there any recommendations you have for other female breadwinners in terms of what you've learned over the last few years being one yourself? Um, you know, I think it was kind of, it was a pretty natural transition for us. My husband's always been pretty comfortable with taking care of the kids and, and helping out around the house. I mean, he's always been fantastic about all of that. So since we already had kind of that 50-50 split as far as taking care of the home stuff that might traditionally be, you know, the mom duties. Um, it was an easy transition to, okay, you know, yes, he has to take on a little bit more of that responsibility because I'm, you know, I'm busy working during the day more often. But it was it was fairly natural. I think everybody has to be on board, though. It could cause probably some some tension if you don't talk about these things kind of before you really get into it and start experiencing problems without having had discussion first. I can totally imagine that is something that's really important. And it is probably makes it much easier knowing that he's on board with it as well. Yeah. And we like, we get along so well, we really have never been big arguing couple. Um, but even, you know, in the first couple of months, it was a hard transition. There was some stress and, you know, it's communicating, talking that helped us through all of that. Yeah. So, yeah. It's, it's definitely, it's a little strange, but I think it's becoming so common now. Um, you know, I've heard from a lot of other women that they're, if not the sole breadwinner, they are the primary. So it's not incredibly uncommon anymore. Oh, I love it. Okay. So Tell us about the new house. So obviously, for those who've been following Nicole, they already know you have sold the first house where everyone got to know and love you, and now you have this beautiful Victorian in Oak Park. Tell us about it. I I love working on this house. It's been the best project. I just am really enjoying taking my time with it and not feeling like, I don't know, there's sort of this self-induced pressure that I should be running through a list of projects every day and getting this and this and this and this and this done for the sake of the blog. And there's a little bit of that, you know, it is my job. It is part of what I do is sharing what I work on, but also my family's home. We live here. I want to see my family. <laughs> so it's, it's been fun finding that balance of getting stuff done for the sake of sharing it and because I like doing it, but also having the freedom to kind of take my time with it. And the house is in really good shape. I always thought if we were going to get a new house, we'd get this crumbling old, terrible fixer-upper that would just be full of projects and I can write about it all. But, you know, I have two little kids and I don't really want them breathing in asbestos dust while we try and remove that and walking through a floor that's going to fall through. <laughs> so it was, it was kind of I didn't think that we would get a house like this that is in such good shape and doesn't need a lot of structural repairs, but it's pretty nice. I got to tell you, living in a house that's safe and nice. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. So tell us about your design evolution as someone who loves and cares about homes. How has that shifted for you over the years? Um, you know, I feel like 
I, I would not have even looked at this house before. It's a Victorian and it's very much, it's a Victorian, you know, it's got like, <laughs> it's got elaborate molding. It's all natural wood. It's, it's nuts. And I love mid-century and clean and very minimal and modern. So it's, it's done a lot of changing. I still love that. You know, I'm still open to all of that. I think if anything, it's expanded. I just, I like what I used to like you know, when I was in my 20s, I bought that first house in my 20s and now I'm in my 30s. And, um, you know, I've been working on my home, the first home and now this one, you know, for seven years in my apartment before that. And I've always been interested in all of that design and architecture. So it's just expanded what I like instead of staying stuck. And some people are kind of watching and they're like, I do not get the direction you're going. And I'm like, stick with me. I'm not there yet. I'm working on it. We're getting there. You will see. <laughs> We're going to get there together. You know, and as it as it gets further along, people are like, oh, okay, I'm getting it. All right. <laughs> um, but it's different. You know, it's a lot different from the old house. And do you feel like this is exactly the home you would have even if no one was watching? That's how I've always approached everything. I like I totally can't wrap my head around the fact that I have this. Uh, the blog is popular and I know like looking at my numbers, oh, this many people are reading every day, but I still write it the same way that I did when I was writing it for my mother-in-law. You know, it's like I, I'm i doing the things that I want to do and it's awesome that people are following along with that, but I'm for sure not just doing it for the sake of blog content. Yeah. No, that's got to be a really big challenge to not let the numbers intimidate you as you're trying to keep that consistent voice and direction, despite the fact that there's so many people with different opinions reading and, and weighing in, if you will. Yeah. And the bigger it gets, the more dissenting opinions there are, you know? And so it's like, okay, well, yeah. there's a lot of people that like what I'm doing and there's a lot of people that maybe don't like what I'm doing, but I like it. And so keep on. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fantastic. Actually, so Kim from Yellow Brick Home, who's mm -hmm. a friend of both of ours and here yes. in Chicago as well, she and I have had this conversation about blogs, especially ones that have been around for a long time, and how as people progress in their lives, and it's you know it definitely is seen in the interior design uh, space specifically, but also applies to a lot of other lifestyle blogging areas as well. It's fascinating to see the audiences that have grown up with the bloggers, but often there can either be a shift, either the audience grows up past the content of the blogger that continues to blog the same content, or the blogger moves on and loses some of the original people that liked them for one thing as they evolve in another area. Yeah. Do you feel like, which, which camp do you feel like you fall into? I think people, I mean, I, I certainly hope that this is the case, but I feel like people have been growing with me versus outgrowing. Okay. Um, and I, I, it's so funny that you bring that up because I've had this conversation with friends too, where there have been blogs that I loved and I feel like they kind of saw what their niche was and they went, Oh, okay. Well, I blog for, you know, people that are on a budget or people that are doing this or that with their house. And so I might be past that, but my readers, you know, that's what they want. So I'm going to stick with that. And I just feel like, oh, you know, I would I would hate to feel like I was stuck doing something because I felt like that's what people expected. I would much rather let things grow and change naturally and hope that people are, are kind of following that same course and coming along with me versus outgrowing something. At the same time, do you feel like you found a new audience as well? Oh, I think so. I mean, I think 
just as my life has changed that that's happened, you know, when I started, I didn't have kids. And so I hope I didn't go overboard, but I know I shared, you know, pictures of my baby. When like, when you have a kid, you go, my baby's the cutest. And like, (laughs) it just takes over your brain for a little bit. And so I'm sure I lost some people like when I first had a baby and, and I probably gained some people that were kind of in that same stage of life. So I think that that kind of stuff just happens and you can't worry too much about that kind of organic change because it's a blog you know it's it's different than a magazine because it's following somebody's actual life you know it's it's my experiences and my actual life so it's not just this this thing that I think people are expecting but that magazine's going to keep doing that because that's their thing they're going for that readership of whatever age group and then they grow up and they move on and the next group moves in. And I don't think that blogs necessarily follow that same trajectory. You know, you have the the ability to take people with you as your life and your circumstances change because theirs are too. Yeah. Okay. And this, this is a question I really want to ask you because I'm fascinated to hear your response. What do you see in the future for full-time bloggers or blogging in general? Uh, there's so many people that are getting into it now with that goal in mind that I feel like even a few years ago, it wasn't the same way. So there's always this new group of bloggers that are like, they're going into it, gloves off. Like they're coming for your job. <laughs> they want the sponsorships. They want the ads. They want the dollars, you know? And it's like, oh no, <laughs> it's, it's go that way. It still takes so much time to build up your readership. And I think people are are building up blogs from zero to, you know, whatever level much faster because there's kind of a roadmap to follow that didn't exist before. But yeah, for sure, it's always, you've got to like stay on top of the way things are changing. Um, Like we talked about, you know, audiences are shifting from just the blog to different social media and kind of branching out everywhere. So I think that it's going to get more fragmented in a way and the blog can remain as a central hub and but I don't think that it's there's anything you know there have been articles like oh catastrophic this is the year that blogs die <laughs> yeah I'll have to put this in the show notes but Grace Bonnie linked to it in one of her articles recently yeah you have to do sponsorships um, because for sure that is where things are headed sponsorships like I said before or they make up maybe a half to two-thirds of of what I'm making right now and I think that that's going to continue for at least the next few years um, but who knows I, and you really can't do like long-term predictions for blogging because it changes so fast two to three years from now you know revisit <laughs> because it's gonna be totally different depending on your vision of what blogging is for you, whether you're working with sponsorships or not, depending on your content also is a huge you know, factor here. But I think that going forward, people will also be promoting their own work, kind of going back to the way you and I both did with our businesses back in the day. True. I think it's kind of turning around. Yes. Yeah. Having your own product lines or your own revenue stream. Mm-hmm. It's either you either are making money through sponsorship, which is my focus, or you are using your blog as a platform to promote this other thing that you are doing, um, which, yeah, is is how we both started. And it's funny how it circles back around to that. I know. And personally, that's where I've been now since closing Jess LC, actually. I've been, you know, making my money through the Mm -hmm. business work I've been doing in the life classes and so forth. So I know either way works. The the nice thing for me, I suppose, I don't have to have the huge traffic that you have to support the sponsorship 
income because that is a, that's a pretty demanding um, level for mm-hmm. those things. So I guess it, as far as people starting out thinking about having their own revenue streams that they can self-create could be also a great way if you don't have gargantuan following that, that you might have <laughs> at this point in time. So I definitely would say that for the future too, I, that would be my two cents too, is to consider ways that you can add value for people and make revenue on your own. So you don't have to be relying on sidebar ads or sponsorships as well. Right. Which is like, I think I talked, uh, I kind of touched on it, but my plan is I actually, I really miss doing web design and you know, if that is something that I return to, as long as I keep my skills up to par as like things have changed, um, that's something that I always think I could go branch back into in the future and use the blog to then promote in that way. So that's just one one way of thinking about, okay, in the future, as things change, I could do that, um, which, yeah, would then bring the blog back to almost promoting a service that I provide in a different way. And I think you could totally do that because you already have the huge traffic. So then it's just a matter of redirecting them to some other offering. So I think it works for you both ways. And for others who might have smaller followings, not relying on sponsors could be an easy way, especially when they're starting out, to gain an income by providing value in some form. Awesome. Okay, so what doubts or resistance have you had to face in your career or life? Hmm. You know, I when I started blogging, I didn't think of it as this thing that I was going to do as a job. And um, as I realized that the traffic was growing and that I could kind of make a go of it because I was watching other people do it, I really second-guessed the way that I was going about it. And it turns out it's been great and it's been sort of the thing that has kept me going. But in the beginning, I was watching other blogs be more magazine-like and really focus on just being sort of a, not generic, but more anonymous voice and talking about design trends and beautiful rooms that they share and, and different things like that. But they weren't personally behind things. And I thought, oh, you know, I have this weird, like, it's not a design blog, but it's not, it's not a mommy blog. It's like this weird personal design blog. And that's not a thing. And I'm kind of doing it wrong. But would you say that that was a DIY blog? Yeah, I mean, it was kind of, it was like a shelter DIY blog. But that wasn't like the way you were supposed to do it. You know, there was plenty of advice saying to be a professional blogger, you do this and this and you, you know, like a kind of pro blogger school of thought. Yeah. Um, And I was totally not doing that. (laughs) And um, I really thought maybe I was doing things wrong, but I kept with it because that's what felt most natural. And and that's what made me excited to write each day. And that's how I, I loved approaching things. And over time, I kind of thought, you know, I'm not doing it wrong. It's maybe it's a little different than than this school of thought, but it's working. And I think over time that because I'm so invested in it and it is a personal blog, so it's not just, you know, like, oh, here's XYZ design trends. It's like, well, here's what I'm doing personally and my take on it and, you know, how I would do this trend. People are kind of interested in coming back to hear a person and and kind of follow along because I do have people that have been with me from the beginning. So it's it's more of a community than if I had changed direction and gone anonymous. So yeah, that was a big thing that I struggled with for a long time though. And we thought I was not doing things the way I was supposed to be doing them. Well luckily everyone loved it and I think that blogs have definitely come back around to that personal side in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, are there any other doubts or resistance you've had to face? 
Well, I mean, it's kind of scary being the the breadwinner in a non-traditional job. So that's kind of a, <laughs> that, that was a big doubt. What did you hear in your head when, when it, what, what did it say to you? What was the, the doubt? What, what creeped up? Yeah, we're going to be homeless. <laughs> like we're going to lose our house. We're going to run out of money. Um, you know, all of that is, is a little scary to think about with a couple of kids around. So. Yeah. Well, how did you come How did you overcome that? What did you do to counteract that thought? I, you know, I put my head down at work. <laughs> so you just like went to the drawing board, if you will, and, and kept working? Yeah, basically. Was there any other, so the thought was, if I, if I work harder, then that won't happen. Is that kind of the response you had to the thought? Yeah, basically like, okay, well, this is do or die time. I better put myself into it, you know, kind of sink or swim, give it a go. <laughs> Did you get resistance from friends or family when you made that change? And choice? Um, not outright, <laughs> but I think that they were kind of questioning what we were doing. I mean, some of my family is still like my, my grandma has no idea what I'm doing other than that she sees the pioneer woman on TV and knows that she's a blogger. <laughs> I'm like, we're really not doing the same thing, grandma. She's she's much bigger. <laughs> um, but you know, some of my family was was kind of questioning whether that was the right move to make. Um, but not outright, you know, not like, whoa, you're making a huge mistake. You need to slow down and rethink this. But it was kind of like, okay, what, what's your plan? <laughs> and I, you know, kind of go, well, you know, I, I've got this and this going on and I'm writing here and I think it's going to work out. So yeah, it, it was a little scary. Yeah. This is another question I always want to ask. Um, what would you tell someone who is just starting out on this journey? You know, I think there are so many people that are coming to it now. And like I said, it's awesome because there's kind of a roadmap to follow now where that didn't exist before. Do you mind going into what the roadmap is? Because I'm sure there's so many people going, what is that roadmap, Nicole? <laughs> can you tell me exactly where to find this map? Um, no, I just mean like you can take online classes to learn about, you know, the business side of things or about following your analytics. And then also for, you know, strategies for growing a readership and using social media well. So there's just, there's all these resources that are out there for people. But really, it all boils down to really liking what you're writing about so that there's passion behind it. And I've, I've never been a big person who like, like, I don't hustle for press, I hustle to like, get the best work out there that I can. And then good things have followed from that. So I think that's kind of my advice. Concentrate on putting out the best product that you can, whether it's content or whatever, you know, or offering amazing services, whatever it is that you do, just really put the focus into that and then let that speak for itself. And then do you have any suggestions on how people can get people to find their awesome products once they have them made? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's getting that work out in front of other audiences, I guess. So if you are a blogger, you can do kind of collaborations with other bloggers so that you're exposing each audience to each other's, you know, or try to get this project that you worked on featured on on a much bigger blog so that you're exposed to new readers in that way, you know, or advertising or... Do you recommend advertising for bloggers? I think if it's really well targeted, yes. And is that in a sidebar? Yeah, a sidebar. I think sidebar advertising is wonderful still. It's really good for drawing new eyes to you when you're getting started. Anything else you would tell the person just starting out besides the roadmap details you just shared? It takes time. 
<laughs> Give whatever you're doing some time because it takes time to get there. Now I want to move on to a tweet we got from Kate Tweedy, whose hashtag for anyone listening is at Kate Tweedy. She asks, Nicole is a role model to many women, myself included. Does knowing this make her work harder or is she just naturally awesome? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty nice uh, question there. <laughs> I know. That's excellent phrasing. Thank you. I don't know. I mean, it, it really is hard for me to wrap my head around the fact that I do have a pretty sizable audience and I don't see it any differently than how it has been kind of in the beginning. So I don't know. I just, I, I work hard on, on putting out some new content and then I really kind of hope other people like it. <laughs> okay. So do you work harder knowing that people are? No, because I think I don't think about the number of people that are looking. Okay. I think that would give me writer's block kind of. Yeah. Okay. Kind of like stage fright writer's block thing. If I think about, oh, this many people are going to look at what I write today. So I just, that's not a factor when I sit down to work. Gotcha. Do you feel like you are impacted at all by the idea of being a role model? Just in general, not necessarily by numbers or anything like that. But do you ever think about your role as someone that is seen um, by other people? They're watching what you choose to do. No, that's very flattering. <laughs> but I don't think I don't think of it that way. I mean, I I like sharing my experience. Like when I went to being the breadwinner, I wrote a post about it, um, and a lot of people, you know, chimed in that they're kind of going through the same thing. So I almost I think of it as like, what are my readers going through? How can we connect in that way? Because like you would talk to a friend about what's going on in their life and what's going on with you. Um, but I don't think of it as like, I did this and you can too. You know? <laughs> I don't approach it that way. Yeah. Oh, this is so awesome, Nicole. Thank you so much for being on The Lively Show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This was fun. And there you have it. I want to thank you for listening and thank Nicole for being on the show. Please click over to JessLively.com for links to all of the pages and sources we mentioned in this episode. And if you are loving the content shared on The Lively Show and on JessLively.com, I hope you consider signing up for next week's Life with Intention online class. In the class, I share how to approach life from an intention-based perspective that removes the stress, shoulds, and future chipping that we can all face. This class has entirely unique content that I don't share directly online and goes deeply into how to create an action plan for your own life. To learn more and to sign up for class, please visit with-intention.com. Thank you for listening and have a great day. 